0: The Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Mark Tears. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Maya Pavinska Sims, and I'm the Amir editor at Provoke Media. I'm delighted to welcome you to the last part in our four part series being human in a tech-enabled world in partnership with AXICOM. Um, The series has looked at different aspects of what life and work as humans and communicators look like now, what they might look like in the future through the lens of technology in this virtual world we're now living in. Um, Our first three episodes were on the workplace, creativity and learning, and our final installment is on the theme, the big theme of leadership. Um, I'm joined today by AXICOM's President of Europe, Kate Stevens. Hi, Kate. Hello and Shane Ryan, Global Executive Director of the AVAS Foundation, which advocates for digital citizenship and inclusive, respectful and safe online experiences. Kate, Shane, welcome. Hi. So um, everyone I speak to at the moment is talking about what work looks like now. Um, There's absolutely no consensus whatsoever on whether working from home is here to stay, whether remote is here to stay, whether we should all be back in offices, why we should be back in offices, how flexible businesses and leaders need to be um, going forward and combined with the great resignation and the battle for talent, another preoccupying theme for leaders. um, There's a lot to think about when you're running any kind of business or organization now. So our question today is how do leaders steady that ship and find the right path forward and navigate through this uncertainty? And we've never done this before. Nobody's done this before. So how do you build a working environment that's going to survive the long-term and not just be a short-term fix, which is what we've all been grappling with for the past 18 months or so. Um, Shane, tell me about your experience, because I know you've, you've changed sectors as a leader in lockdown, haven't you?
0: I have indeed, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm now in a corporate environment working for a foundation. Uh, but before that, I was working for the National Tree Community Fund. So it was, it was, it's a very, it's a, it's a big big shift hmm. uh, overall. Um, so it's a, but I mean, I mean the shift, it's odd I say that because in this environment the shift was I handed in a laptop I got another one yeah there was a different set of people on it so that I mean that was that was the reality of of, of where I was so I was like okay on this day I finished this job um and I think that it, it was odd in a sense because I I think emotions were running high during that time yeah. uh, um, with the team the team that I was working with because there were a number of different teams I was working with and so I had five leaving dudes. <laughs> like, everyone wanted to have everyone wanted to kind of be involved in a leaving do so it was like so that was emotionally draining uh um great but emotionally draining in the first place and i missed out there was a sixth one coming and i managed to swerve that one uh, so and and that all felt very very surreal and the stuff i'd been involved in at the fund up to that point because we've been doing it we've been working with government. Uh, getting funding out to a wide range of communities during a very very difficult period so all of that was happening and then so coming into this new environment and start trying to start a new team uh, that I knew I wasn't going to be meeting for a significant period of time was was interesting uh, uh, and and challenging yeah
1: that must have been so odd like not just switching jobs but actually you know you're you're managing a whole new load of people that you've never met before and they've got to trust you and you've got to assert your authority in this very flat structure we will now have because you know we have equal size pictures on our zoom calls
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it's what was what was I mean emotionally it's a it's a, a bit of a roller coaster because you're I think that some of the stuff we were dealing with when I was at the fund was quite emotive you know there's a lot going on there and I mean now I think I can say that now that the fact that they they decided at the end of that they were going to whilst in lockdown they were actually going to get rid of the offices that we were in so, so that all felt very weird. Well. so you can imagine so we were all we were all there we we're in an office uh, we went into lockdown and then now even the offices that we were in were gone mm. so and that was all happening at the same time so and then everyone is, was very emotional. We were emotional because after the George Floyd murder, there was a lot going on, uh, particularly for us as Black staff at the fund. Mm. So, so there was all of that going on. So there were some of us that were in a, in a leadership capacity, had to shoulder some of that. Um, uh, and I, I I personally found it very, very difficult that period because you were trying to support other staff en masse. And then like my daughter said to me, why do people hate us? And I'm going, oh, that's... Or how do I deal with that now you know so so that was so it was quite a dick so you're dealing with your own things around that you, your own feelings around what was happening in the wider world but then stuff's happening in your own house and then you've got other staff that are having other issues and, and so you're, you're trying to stay the ship uh um there as well so so that was that thought began to feel quite surreal
1: yeah it's heavy
0: that period and so when I left and then that's the, that probably explains the stuff that was happening at the end um towards my leaving there's a lot going on at the same time and so when I came into the new job I, I almost had because I was as I say and I said it in jest but it was quite a serious thing in, in one sense because I was sitting in the same place as I'd had all these other feelings and where all this other stuff had happened mm-hmm. and all that had changed was my laptop right so it you have to you have to come down from that mm-hmm. uh, and, and find a new space right and, and it was and it was tantamount to some kind of closure for me at that mm. point. And I had to recognise it as that, as, as that and then move into this new space. So, so that was, so you're kind of dealing with your own stuff in your own head and then trying to, to think about how is this, how, is, how does this relate to my work? But then how is everyone else experiencing that? Yeah. Like we had staff who were, who were dying to get out of the house because of the situation they were in at home. You know, didn't want to be there. They didn't want to get out and about those kind of things. And I went out and met some people during the lockdown because I really wanted to get out. So so partly thinking about yourself, but also thinking, how is everyone else experiencing this and how can you help them to get through their days more than anything else? So leadership in, in that in that sense was more about support for every, everybody in the space and saying, well, my experience is this. I'm, I am fairly lucky. There's a, there's there's quite a lot of space where I am. But I'm seeing people around me that are not in those situations. They're, they're in some cases quite chaotic environments, and they don't want to be in them. So yeah. how how they how do you work in that kind of a space, and, and how can I facilitate that a little bit more?
1: Kate, you've had a bit of an emotional roller coaster as well, haven't you? As a as a leader,
2: it's a, a, an emotional roller coaster all round. Mm-hmm. I, I was a lot of what Shane was saying there really resonated because I think it, it there was a, a big emotional burden on leaders during that first period and you know there was a lot written about the empathetic leaders are the ones who are really thriving right now but actually I don't think people fully appreciated how heavy a burden that was and how very lonely and isolating it could feel because you also didn't have your peers and colleagues around you who could see and recognize you know the people you work really closely with can see when you're not quite feeling it and they can help lift you up you always as a leader have to have the right face on and that in itself can be draining even before this pandemic but then to suddenly be trying to carry like like shane was saying you're supporting everybody because everybody's in a unique situation living things in a unique way and for staff to maintain that motivation keep going they sort of needed to feel seen and, and be heard for for what they were going through and it it was a lot to ask of leaders and, and yeah, you're right. You know, we we had quite an emotional turmoil because we had um my predecessor, Henry, who'd passed away just before the lockdown all happened. Mm. Um, so we we were sort of already grieving as a business. And you know, I already had all eyes across our Europe operation looking at me, going, what do we do now? And I'm like internally going, I have no clue. Externally going, absolutely fine, we're gonna to be totally good, guys. We've got this. Um, And it's it's really tough. And then, like Shane said, you go through your own stuff. Right. So, you know, I've suddenly got my family, my kids stuck at home with me asking, why can't they go to school? What is going? My husband's work went through a restructure because that's when you're going to restructure just as the world shuts down. That's not triggering for people at all. So he's thinking, well, I'm too old to ever get another job. I'm like, he's my age. He's not too old. But I like the way that he went early retirement for me. Then he didn't He got enough jobs. Fine. Um, but it's it's a lot. You're going through a lot. And then, uh, uh, as Shane said, the, the George Floyd murders was a weird sort of straw that broke the camel's back because it was one Im- very emotional, emotive moment too many to navigate uh, in quick succession. And I remember being asked, what are we going to say about this? And just thinking, I've got nothing left. I've got no ideas, I've got nothing. My heart almost feels like it's gone black, like I've got no emotion and no energy and empathy to give to people, um, which is weird. But then I've noticed how that's evolved and changed. And I've become, I'm gonna make myself sound terrible here, but a a little tougher and Mm. a little tougher on people because I've suddenly found that sometimes people can be a little selfish with what they take from you. If you're prepared to always be there in support, At some point, you realise that people are taking a little bit of advantage of that. And actually, as a leader, you've needed to sort of totally adjust yourself and go, well, hold on a minute. We can't live like this and you can't all keep sucking off me in that way. We all need to pull together a little more. So I think there's been a really interesting moment of flattening that leadership and people taking on more themselves as leaders haven't been able to just keep giving to that degree and actually other people have had to start taking that on and 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 running with it for their teams and so we've sort of seen a slow flattening of that curve but also maybe a slight tightening of that empathy it's Mm. always there I it's like it's it's my kryptonite I feed off other people's emotions and it's difficult but you've had to start winding that in a little bit because otherwise we just can't keep going. It's, it's too exhausting. Hmm.
1: Shane, how do you think you've evolved as a lead over this time? Kate's got tougher. What's happened to you? <laughs>
0: um, I think, obviously, I, 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 I kind of uh, I, I see where, where, where Kate is. It, it's a difficult situation where people are constantly looking to you for answers to a situation that nobody has answers for. Um, that, and that does that get quite wearing. Um, and I think for me, the most difficult thing I think has been the fact that I, I think I tried to pride myself of having a large degree of emotional intelligence. But then if you look at, I mean, there's a significant amount of, of um, resources to suggest that. So, okay, so you've got, so 7% of, of, of meaning that, that's, that's conveyed through spoken word. And then you've got another 38% uh, through the voice, the tone of your voice, okay. But then that still leaves a 55% that's body language. And so when you're not in front of people, and, and, I, and I use that body language a lot, you know, to understand what people are saying, because usually often what people are saying is not what they're really saying or what they mean. And so you use that quite a lot in those, in those spaces. And uh, I'm now in a space where I can't utilize that at all. So you almost have to find different ways of, of, of understanding what people are really saying. Uh, um, when uh, you're you're on calls with them, but what that also means is for me, it means that there's there's another side to that which is okay not not having not doing my emails while I'm speaking to people, uh, that, that kind of stuff. You know, so I can really be present in that yeah. space, and it might sound a bit touchy-feely, but but so I can really be present and try to understand what's really going on. Yeah, uh, because often because people don't change. People, a lot of the time, people are still saying one thing but meaning something slightly different but now i have to be even more perceptive try and pick up what's going on um uh, particularly in in in, when when it's quite important to the organization you know that i get it right uh so so that's been in terms of leadership learning and trying to find new tools and understanding yeah not just conveying information to other people but understanding what they're saying and 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 then recognizing the fact that the situation that they're in, as I was saying earlier on, and what their motivations might be for their behaviors at that time, it's a whole different world. So I've been kind of thinking, okay, well, how do you do that in this context? And then how do you make some of those calls uh, that Kate's talking about in between, between being almost a tough love space, <laughs> people say, well, you're gonna have to work that one out on your own, you know, so, and giving people the amount of autonomy that they need during this time. Um, and at other times kind of saying, oh, right, you know, I'm going to try and give you as much time and space here as I possibly can. And, that, and that's been difficult. When you can't read people's body language, you can't fully understand uh, what situation they're in, that becomes problematic. So I've, so, so that's been the diff- most difficult thing for me. But also it's meant finding a new set of to- tools to yeah. do that with and then trying to work it out and think, okay, well... And and uh, I suppose constantly uh, assessing, this tells you a lot about my psyche, but, but constantly assessing the way you've dealt with situations was I fair w- with that individual did I give them my time really give them my time was I present in that, in that conversation and what could I have done better you know what can I do better going forward in terms of um, working people oh guys I said going forward that's awful um, but, but anyway yeah. so 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 <laughs> but, 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 but that's been the hardest thing trying to work out my interactions and that's at all levels you know working with boards working with the board they they just all on, on on this space, you know, and I and I can't pick up anything from them. Like giving them all this information, very hard to pick up anything from them. So working out and trying to traverse that ground as well as one to one spots with individuals.
1: But it sounds like I mean you are an emotionally intelligent human being. Both of you are clearly so. It's it's like a, it's a honing. It's not a completely new set of tools, is it? It's like it's honing skills you had already but that whole um, that whole piece about being incredibly present when you are not personally in a room together so you can really have to pay attention and listen it's almost adding a whole new load of kind of coaching skills to the to the leadership piece isn't it really Kate what kind of skills do you think you've honed or added during this time
2: I think that the the focus is one of them although anyone who works with me will (laughs) laugh about uh I've all I've always struggled with a conference call focusing on a conference call has been my Achilles heel throughout my entire career because you'll join that you're at your desk and you cannot help but flick between screens it's just like a it happens and then you start reading and you cannot be concentrating on that conversation if you're reading so I used to at my desk paint my nails when I was on a conference call <laughs> don't judge It was a mindless thing that stopped me doing anything else, but allowed me to just listen. So this is a great environment for me because nobody knows I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. I'm actually not. (laughs) Um, But finding ways to, as Shane say, other things to allow you to focus. That The big challenge, I think, has been finding tricks to allow your brain to switch from situation because you haven't had the same time between situations in this world. You've sort of almost been a lot more back to back thrown from it might have been a new business pitch one second to uh and a performance appraisal the next second you're like pop 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 whereas in the old world you'd have had time in between to travel to the thing to walk to the thing you'd have also had those soft touch points before you dived into the meeting of the getting of the coffee in the kitchen before you go into it and the, all those things allowed you that seamless transition into that new moment whereas we've had these sort of hard like a really badly edited work day Boom, in the next thing, in the next thing. And that has been learning a new skill of switching emotions and, and brain space faster than I was used to, because that was one that, that threw me out of kilter at the start of all of this. Mm. And that was obviously again, more specific between more apparent between home life and work life, where suddenly your children are present. You've just come off a very difficult call and you're like, well, yeah, can't change myself. This is hard. Um, but I can do that at the drop of a hat now. It's, maybe it's my Gemini trait. I don't know, but that's, that's much easier to switch yeah. um, that. Um, and also learning. And for me, I mentioned before, you know, my, my kryptonite is the empathy and feeding off other people's emotions, but learning to park that, you know, Shane was talking about um, having perhaps difficult conversations with people and not being able to read their body language. And if I would have that call, virtually with somebody where you've had to give them a challenging bit of feedback or whatever it might be you hang up if you were in the office you would have had other interactions with that individual before the day is out and you'd feel at peace with the conversation that you'd had you don't have that unless it's a forced situation and for me that sort of eats me up because I need I need to know everything is okay and I need to know everyone is okay And I haven't had that. So I've had to learn to park that and get over it and pull myself together, frankly, Um, which is probably really easy for lots of people. But for me, it's one of those things that will eat me up and keep me awake at night.
1: It's a bit like we've been going for a series of sprints without warming up and cooling down, isn't it? Like there's no decompression from. My hamstrings can't handle it. Our hamstrings and our knees at our age, frankly, cannot handle it. (laughs) It's it's not been a bit much. Tell me about the decision making process over this time. How confident have you been as leaders about making big decisions often? in situations which nobody has experienced before. So there's no, there's no kind of case law on this, right? So how confident is your decision-making being? Shane, I'll come to you first with that
0: one. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I, I, I decided to leave my job and start a new job. So during, no, during, during lockdown, which as I say, was quite, an interview was quite surreal um, during this time, you know, uh, that that was that was a real experience, you know. Actually, going and, and I went for a couple of interviews during this period that ended up, you know, it was it was just a a very strange experience in itself. So, and then you start thinking, am I just doing this because I'm in the middle of lockdown? Would I would I have done this anyway? You know, that kind of stuff. You start questioning yourself, and then you start thinking, well, the thing is, with my last job, I'd actually met those people. I'm going to do a job. I don't know these people. It might be that if I was of sound mind and body, (laughs) I would do this. And when I meet these people, I may hate them. You know, so you start thinking all this kind of odd things. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of making decisions, the other thing is that, that I cannot ignore this element of it, which is as a black person, leading anything in any space. And I, I, and I, probably by the work I've done in, in, in the past that makes me a transformational leader um, just on in terms of the way I, I'm not someone who comes in and minds shop you know I'm coming comes in it's like okay what can I do how can we make this better how can we change things how can we, how can we move things around so if you're doing that anyway as a black person in that space sometimes it's quite difficult particularly when you're going into an environment um, where there aren't very many people of color you know so that's so because you're already in a situation where everyone is looking going, oh, wow, <laughs> I mean, there's a black person in this space. And then on top of that now, what you're trying to do, usually that point would be the point you kind of let me get my feet under the table. You know that thing that you do when you come to a new job, you go, let me get my feet under the table. Let's just calm down and see how the land lies here and see what everybody's doing. But you almost can't do that. You, if you're leading something. You come in and people want the ideas straight away. They want to know what, you know, what your plans are. They want to see what your strategic vision is. Okay. And so you have to start with that. So, and so you're, you're that's a really odd space. It's, odd to, it's hard to do anyway. It's much harder to do online.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so because there's a, when you move into a new role, um, um, which I've done, and you're starting a brand new foundation in that space, there's, there's this, this unspoken psychological contract that has to exist between you and those you work with, and you develop that um, mm-hmm. over the first probably two three months of working with people, and that's usually the press in the flesh, looking into mm-hmm. people's eyes, telling them, conveying your ideas, and so on and so forth, and then going, "Oh yeah, we made a we made a good decision there, <laughs> getting that person in." And when you can't do that face to face, as Kate said, you're almost you're, you're floundering a little bit because you're kind of going. How did that interaction go? How, where are we with this? You know, did, you know um, what do I think about the decisions I just made on that? So you say to them, look, this is what we're gonna do. This is the way it's gonna work. And then you're looking for that feedback, you know, that you would normally get. And it's not quite the same thing. Uh, and, and sometimes you're way off base in terms of like, so I've come out of a few meetings with leadership. Going, These are the decisions I've made. This is the way we're gonna move this forward. And I've th- I'm thinking mm, that really didn't go down well. Um, don't really, and then people come back later in a one-to-one. <laughs> a call and say oh that's really really good we're really happy with what's going on you think oh wow well, I, I judged that completely wrong very difficult to do so so for me making decisions uh one making decisions about in my own personal life I've asked myself questions obviously uh that that, that you wouldn't ask normally the other thing that's that's difficult is as I say working with groups online and, and telling them about the decisions you've made particularly when you're new that's very, very difficult. But I want to highlight one other thing here, which is the hardest part of this, um, and then I'll stop promise, but the the, the hardest part of this has been not not the the sure things. So uh, I think everybody thought that what would happen was we would be in lockdown for a set period of time, that period would end, and life would go back to normal. That's not amazing, but you can deal with that you know, that kind of situation. And you can make decisions based on that. Does that make sense? It gives you a foothold in the decision-making game. So when you don't have that anymore, and it's as we are now, which is there's just that permanent sense of uncertainty. It starts, it stops. There may be more lockdowns, there may not be. There may be other variants, there may not be. That makes decision-making very, very difficult in, in this space. And you can see around you that when you're, you're working with other people, they are becoming jaded. And I think that that at some point does affect people's decision making process, you know, being jaded and being that situation.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think everyone's really had enough of being in this exciting state of flux. It's like well, the, the novelty is well and truly worn off of not knowing what's going to happen next week, hasn't it? Kate, what about you? How confident have you been in your decisions and your new tough um version of k
2: not really, she's not really that tough let's be honest she's quite soft tough um it's it i sort of feel that this is my environment to thrive because i've never been a strong planner i've always liked winging it and i've always liked being able to evolve things as they develop so actually for me i've i've never felt unconfident in the decisions being made but that's also always been me not 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 ballsy confident with the decisions always a little bit of a wing and a prayer sense of yeah you know, let's see if this works this is what my gut says this is where we should go with this but you know i think that what gives you the confidence is if you're reading the room around you mm-hmm. um and what what throws me at these articles where you see these really bold we'll never go back to the office again world has changed forever and we're absolutely mandating everybody's got to be in we can't possibly operate unless they're in and i think How can you take either of those extreme views? I mean, I agree that the world has changed forever, but I don't think it's changed as starkly as everyone seems to think, because as Shane was saying earlier, you've got people that want to get out. Mm. You've got people that want to go back into the office. You've got people that are living in environments that they feel are not environments they want to be working in the whole time. And you talk to most people and they're like, yeah, sick of my own four walls. And we know from our own staff, the number of people that have, have come in very regularly throughout a lot of this, we always left the office available and open to people because people just needed that. You know, we have young people in flat shares who are just living and working out of their bedrooms. That's not great, that's not healthy. Um, you know, I've sat on leadership calls with the wider WPP group and I've looked at some of my peers and thought, look at their swanky offices in their lovely houses outside London. And I'm hiding in my daughter's wardrobe. And I thought, wow, this world is not very flat and fair, is it? This is terrible. Um, and you, you, you have to make allowances. There is going to be no one size fits all, frankly. And everyone's going to take from what they need. But what you have to make sure happens is that everybody recognises everybody else is playing something slightly differently so that they don't lose touch and don't stop respecting other people's working patterns working needs and that's the key thing that that I think is the biggest challenge because there's also been a lot written about oh hybrid working this is going to be marvelous and smashing and let's be honest it that in, is a new skill set change to teach and remind the people in the room that there are people virtually joining and you know we used to do that before remember and everyone would always ignore the people on the phone always 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 because you are reminded by the people and the faces you see around you and Yes, there are a lot of office environments that are changing to integrate people, but not everybody's going to have access to that. We're not going to be able to rip out all that old legacy technology and whack in new technology overnight for everybody. So actually, we've got to have some cultural shifts and cultural changes and behavioural changes in the way that we interact. And I think the decision-making around that, to me, seems, seems obvious. It seems so obvious that we've got to create a more inclusive environment that's going to allow those people who actually thrive better and I had an intro go off slightly I had an interesting conversation this week went out with a client and he was talking about how he's an introvert and actually for him what happened was great it took the pressure off the going into the office meeting people and he was allowed to just focus on his job and he thrived and I would say I've noticed that amongst our people the more introverted people thrive the more extroverted people were absolutely like a fish out of water like what the hell am i supposed how can i possibly i can't what and just this sort of stilted god the thing that they, that made them live and breathe wasn't there anymore whereas those introverts the thing that was difficult for them was removed and they were just bosh i've got this and you could see them coming alive and it was wonderful and actually isn't that great that we can more acceptably create an environment that's going to allow different types of people to thrive you can create a far more flexible environment that's going to attract such different varied talent that previously thought can't do that kind of job because they're going to expect me to be in the office at these times and I can't make that work for the the responsibilities I've got. And we, We can take that all away. And, you know, if I look at the types of people we've been hiring, we've actually started hiring outside of London, people who live out in Manchester and we don't need them to be in the office all the time. And that's, it's worked. So we've been able to really open up our talent pool and so I just actually think it's going to lead to much better much more diverse much snappier workforces for different organizations and I think you've got to lean into that and embrace it you can't mandate one way or another if you tell everyone they've got to work from home you're going to put a bunch of people off because they don't want to if you tell everyone they've got to be in the office you're going to put a bunch of people off because they don't want to you've got to find a way and a nuance away and I feel extremely confident in that because it just seems so damned obvious and or maybe I'm just an idiot, but it really does feel like this is absolutely the right thing to do And when you do get people together, they thrive they buzz off it even the people who are better at the home working, because they still need that interaction you still need, because we're human we're all human. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers the question because I went off on a little tangent, didn't I? But well, never mind. I
1: think the point is that sometimes the right decision is to not feel that you have to make a rigid decision, mm. isn't it? Sometimes, as you said, lean into it. There is so much uncertainty. There is no right answer. There's no wrong answer. But then as a leader, you're in a position where your your job is to make decisions. And, the, you know, when the decision is not clear for anybody, it's um that's an interesting place of discomfort to be in i guess yeah Um, how do you shut i I mean obviously we're we're at home so um shutting out the noise is sometimes difficult in a in a you know in a literal physical sense how do you fight how do you kind of shut out all the competing opinions that you've both talked about and all the you know all the kind of the second guessing of yourself and the re-examining how do you how do you sit quietly and find the right path as a leader for your teams in the face of so many different opinions shane how do you do that
0: I find that slightly easier um, now because it, I, that's my main focus. Uh, what I find difficult is recognizing that I've been sitting in the same spot for eight hours. <laughs> no, I'm just being real. Once you get you zone in, I zone into what I'm doing. It's very difficult I find to zone out of it. So, uh, so that's the harder part. The harder part for me is breaking off and going right. Um this is this is also an essential part of my own individual development, you know, in this in this time. Breaking off from this and giving myself time to think outside of this space, that's the part I have to work at. Because I because it's 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 one of those situations where I once, if I'm not sitting in front of my my, my desk, I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got all this stuff to do. And then it's like a feeling of impending doom. And then when I get there, once I'm there, I'm there, you know, and then I'm stuck there. You know, I can't, I don't move. I barely go to the lab. It's like, you're stuck in this space. And then it's getting out of that, you know, because it seems it almost feels much easier to stay in that loop mm. all the time, you know, rather than leave it and come back to it. And that's, a, that's a problem for me. So what I try to do is I try to have spots where I just kind of go, right, I'm not going to do because I can sit down in front of my monitor and work for hours and hours and hours, it really doesn't mean that I should, and it doesn't make my decision making any better. You know what I mean? You're not any better a person because you're just sitting here just grinding it out 24/7. And so, just trying to tell myself those things, you know, that allows me to switch off a bit. And I think that sometimes I make far better decisions after uh, going for a walk or going in the garden. I've got that the luxury of being able to do those things, um, and, and try and, and that for me, that's the hardest part. Uh, of doing it because and the other thing is I, I recognize as, as Kate was saying how much work you can get through when you were just there's no there's no from here to the meeting yeah that everything's back to back you know literally and then and the first I think the first probably three months of, of lockdown it took me ages to realize hold on a minute you're not scheduling any lunch breaks here because you know so someone is just scheduling you meetings from 8am until six in the evening and it's just one after the other you know so you need to no one's going to find that space for you because if you're at work someone might say I'll take the afternoon off or do this or whatever else when you're in these spaces and you're leading the the space Mm. you can keep going and keep going keep going and so me finding time a, a way to take time out of that and 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 not and not punishing myself by saying well if if the if the the electricity's on and there's a chair there you should be working do you mean trying to try to be easy on yourself in those in that environment that's the thing i I struggle with but i'm getting better at that
2: yeah that's an interesting one shane actually the 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 leadership role when you say no one's going to do that for you you absolutely have to take control of your own diary and your own life but interestingly you talked about you're being in the office and people would say i'll oh, take, take take the afternoon off you'd you'd say that when you see your colleagues struggling because they've got a busy day you but like you need to yeah. pass that on to somebody else but you don't see that when you're not with them and when you talk to them do you know what guys you've got to block out time in your diary to do your thinking to do your this to do your that and they go oh it's not going to work for me you're like i can't do it for you nobody can do that for you you've got to do that and it's, it's interesting because then what you've seen is two very different types of people. The people who feel they're not working if they're not taking everything on that they can be taking on. And then those people who are literally pushing back on far too much. They're <laughs> like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of space you've taken for yourself. It's bold, good for you. Could also help out your colleagues there, be a bit more aware. Um, so yes, but, the, but going back to my, your question about the shutting out the noise. I found it quite isolating. And I found that I get quite paranoid mm. because you'll see all the conflicting opinions. And when you haven't got people around you to smell how they feel, that just makes me sound also <laughs> odd, that you know what I mean? You get a vibe. You know where people are thinking and, and how they're acting. And you have to rely on staff surveys to give you the data that you want. And you sort of like, are they really saying what they really feel or are they saying what they think we? That we want to hear kind of thing is a bit of paranoia there bit of paranoia when the latest article comes in that says everyone's going to got to work from home otherwise you're going to lose all your talent but you sort of go oh god is that is that real is that just some someone's random opinion now, there was a piece in the evening standard a couple of days ago about the great flatmate divide about how those flatmates who are working from home are creating worky cliques with themselves and the ones who are going off to work are feeling left out. And it's creating a total shift and divide in terms of the way people interact in their flat share houses now. And I'm like, there's, there's so many levels of how things are impacting people's lives. This is all too much. So I have found that I can get quite paranoid. Like it, it, is, it, am, I, am I taking in enough information? And then suddenly that slightly more confident, no, trust your gut on this trust your instinct on where you're going and I think that's been the challenge is making sure that you don't creep into that slightly paranoid have I factored everything in type position lockdown paranoia
1: is definitely a thing isn't it it's like there's no way of sense checking whether you've said something weird or behaved in an odd it's like there's no there's no mirror coming back at your own (laughs) own face which we're all sick of seeing obviously um so i mean apart from the shape of um work and the balance between home and remote and office how as leaders do you do you meet the very varied needs of your employees both to um Retain and attract the more diverse workforce we hope will be enabled by the the new world we 're living in, and also just to inspire people and keep energie's level high with new working policies or new initiatives how do you how do you meet everyone's needs and we're all very aware now aren 't we that it's not everyone's individual needs are have really come to the fore and nobody's you know nobody's pretending to be a certain way in work anymore we are I mean oddly now we're not going into work as much it's kind of easier to just be your whole self isn't it so I think as leaders we're more aware that everyone is different and everyone does have different needs so how do you kind of how do you kind of move forward with working policies and culture to make sure that that feels like you've got a coherent workforce who's happy and you're a great place to work change you want to go with that one
0: that's a lot of question. Yes. Um, I, I for me, <laughs> and, questions. for me, it's it's a, it's it is a work in progress. Still, I, I think that um, I I've, what I've been trying to do is is to make sure that I meet I, um, meet more by way of staff now. So where I can at least meet people once or twice. Uh, um, in some cases, having dinners with with groups of of, of staff and that kind of thing, um, because we can't see each other all the time, but we can we can meet and interact. Uh, um, recognising some people are shorter and a lot taller than, than I thought they were. So it's just like, <laughs> in some cases you're, you're looking for somebody and you go, all oh, right, okay, you're there and that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> um, which, is, which has been interesting. Um, but I think fundamentally that that's an ongoing thing because everybody else's needs are changing mm. and, and they're moving around along with yours. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't have a, a definitive answer for, for uh, how best to do that, I think being, as I said before, being mindful of where people are at, listening to people in the spaces that helps hmm. because they're on their own journey, um, and you only hear that if you're listening, you know. So you know, if you're actually listening to to see where their journey is and, and, and plot that, and 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 for me, sometimes now I can pick up when people have had enough on calls, you know. Now, like I, in a way, that I couldn't do before. Now I can go oh they've they've switched off there like those yeah. people there
1: just <laughs> checked <are here>. out <laughs> yeah,
0: they're here but they're not really here anymore and that kind of stuff and maybe you making meetings shorter one of the things that that um that we've done it in a team is that we've we've made all meetings shorter I think we're doing this across the board Try to make meetings slightly shorter and give people some time back uh mm-hmm. um, so that they, they know that the, the, because before as I said we were having meetings almost back to back so one meeting ends at ten, another meeting starts at ten as Kate was saying, oh, you know, there's this, this, this loop feedback loop constantly of more and more meetings yeah. so so giving people some time back in a day, those kind of things thats that's been a lot better, but I think that recognizing I think most of it is recognizing that this is a movable feast. it is all shifting and changing, and as while as tectonic plates are moving around, we should be adaptable you know mm-hmm. and recognize that at any given time when we come on a call with somebody they're going to be going through all kinds of things potentially so and now that two three four five people are in the home that mix of home and work uh oh, wow. is inextricable instri- now you know you so someone may have had an argument with somebody and then they come on a call you know i've seen a lot more of that kind of stuff happening yeah. somebody has to go up and do something you know now or there's there's the there's the everyone's fo- trying to focus on something in a meeting and then um, someone's door knocks <laughs> do you know I mean? and, then, and they really need to get it you know it's all those kind of, all of that's just going to be a part of our future you know and, and I think that just riding with it and, and not making any hard and fast uh, decisions about how things will change and trying to ensure that when the when the company does that you minimize the impact on your staff Yeah. because sometimes some, some policies and companies jump around and people say right we're going to do this now um, I'm doing voices like Kate now. I don't know if you I think it's, <laughs> passed, on. passed on the voices. I'm doing. Does I'm doing this voices. mean
2: I've been doing voices here? Because I really think I've sounded super
0: smart and very. <laughs> i <done some> <laughs> So, so <laughs> but sometimes I think what you have to do as a leader is you have to think once when a, a new idea or a policy comes through, you have to think through how that's going to affect people in your team, and then you have to maybe maybe even down to the constituent parts of that so looking at how that's going to affect different members of your team and how you might talk to them about it and how they might interpret that you know because sometimes that can be very very difficult mm-hmm. um uh, and because the leadership are going through those things as well where they are sometimes making snap dis- dis- decisions snap judgments on things um and and then in redacting them in some cases because they realize that that's we're not living in that world and you can't do you can't operate in that in that way anymore
1: yeah Kate, okay. how yeah. easy have you find it found it to kind of meet everybody's needs
2: I think it's it's been a, 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 again a, a bit about being a lot more flexible. So before the pandemic hit, we rolled out our sort of flexible working. This is this is what we're offering. We call it intelligent working. We put a stake in the ground. This is how it's going to work. We're rolling it out. Let's see what happens. And <clears throat> to be honest, not a great deal changed when we rolled it out because. People didn't really know how to properly take advantage of flexible working because they were so used to that office culture. But it was there. It was, idea, you know, the idea was we knew it would take time for people to get used to. It. But then, of course, COVID hit, pandemic. We're like, lean into these principles, guys, you're going to need them. And I was like, oh, really glad that we've got this. But we had a, a timeline in place to review the success of this. It was like after the first six months, we're going to do a survey, see how people are embracing it, what are they struggling with, And of course, all that goes out the window because the world had changed so much. We're like, well, this is this is There's no point because we've had to we're thinking about this in a very different way. So we need to think about this in a different way. So allowing ourselves to take that ongoing feedback on board instead of going, these are our clear HR driven process moments where we will do these things and go, actually, do you know what? That's not going to work in that same way. We need to think about how we change, how we evolve this policy. And really listen on the go and try and take in how the world is changing. What are we going to need to adapt and change? So a much longer time later, almost a year, we basically ended up going, okay, now it's time to refresh this because now we're hitting a more level kick. Now we're understanding better what this is. So I think it's about being a bit more flexible with the timelines for the policies that you are looking at, how you're changing and adapting those, but also making sure people are really aware because it's in an office you can stick up your posters to tell people that you've got these things around and it can be anything you know there was I attended a really interesting workshop back in the summer around domestic abuse and support for staff and all the things they talked about were things like having posters on the back of toilet doors and you're like it doesn't work in my environment Mm. I can't how do i ensure people are fully aware this is available to them without weirdly ramming something down people's throats and how do you create that sort of softer touch point that people are clearly aware that there are these supports available for them in this different environment so really thinking through actually what's the most appropriate way to let people know about these different things so Mm. the policies are wide and varied that we've looked at making sure people are aware that they have. But the the challenge has been thinking about how best to articulate them and make people aware um, and make sure people really understand what's there and what's available to them and what is expected of them. And that's the other interesting one, what is expected of them. And I've always been in the camp of we will not mandate people have to be in the office. We're just going to rely on them using their good old-fashioned common sense and understanding when it's appropriate to be in, when it's not, how better to use that office space. And that was probably a little naive of me because the the biggest challenge we've had is where new people have joined and they've thought, well, do I need to go in? Because they don't understand the value of being around some of their colleagues yet because they've not experienced that. So where you've got the old guard going, I can't wait to be with my team again because I know how efficiently we can work and how much more fun it is and that all these other good things. People are new like, well, I'm doing my job okay, right? And especially young people who are new to the workplace, helping them understand that they are missing out on some really valuable things by not having in-person time with colleagues. And it can be as simple as just hearing people interact Mm. and the stuff people are missing out on. It's very hard to say to somebody, do you realize you are developing more slowly as a result of missing out on some of these interactions? Nobody expects you in full-time, nobody wants you in full-time, So that's harsh. but there's huge value to you coming in and interacting hearing how teams that you don't work with on a daily basis interact work and operate you learn so much by osmosis and that for me as a leader has been one of the biggest fears that I've had is how much are we letting people down Mm. by not enforcing things but then my fear has always been if I enforce them to come in are they going to go well screw this for a laugh I'm off somewhere else because they're smart people and I I want them to thrive I want them to do well but Sometimes people don't realise what they're missing out on until they've experienced it.
1: Yeah, it's very catch-22 that, isn't it? So what's, finally, guys, what's next in this brave new world of work? We're all navigating our way through to greater or lesser degrees of success. Do you think the notion of leadership is forever changed? So this kind of empathetic model, you know, you're both incredibly thoughtful and reflective people. And um, do you think this new empathetic model that you can't really succeed as a leader in in this new hybrid world without empathy is is going to remain or do you think we'll slowly revert back to you know the the old style command and control style of leadership shane what are your thoughts
0: i think we'll we'll go with um, in terms of the for-profit sense we'll go with where where keeps the talent and makes the most money right um because i think that's always been the key driving force you know, so and if it means, uh, um, uh, as Kate articulated there, you, that you you, in order to keep talent, uh, you, you keep the status quo, you keep hybrid working, for instance, uh, um, you have work anywhere contracts and that kind of thing. And that's what people will do. If productivity dips and it becomes an issue. Uh, and, and and as Kate was saying there, I think that there is there is an intrinsic value to being around colleagues. What some colleagues while they work, some colleagues. I did not mean that. At all. <laughs> not all of them <laughs> while they no. while they work uh, because there are things that you pick up you wouldn't pick up otherwise yeah. you know but also it, it, it circumvents siloed behavior uh, uh, where people come into an organization and never really feel a part of it mm. because they do their job in a silo mm-hmm. uh, but then they equally don't see how they could get better at what they do you know so and then the other thing is particularly with young people broadening your horizon sometimes. I mean, one of those great things is, is, is coming into a workplace uh, that has a number of, of, of different disciplines in, in it. Um, and suddenly realizing, oh, wow, I'd really like to do what that person does over there. You don't get so much of that online. Yeah. You know, so, so all of those kind of things, you, as Kate said, you don't realize that you're not getting any of that stuff you know, that, that first-hand stuff until, you, until you're not there. But in terms of the wider question here, yeah, no, I think that, that what will happen is people will look at productivity. Um, and I think that the, the, the race for some organizations to move away from uh, office space is obviously financial because it's like, well, hey, if we don't have to have an office in the middle of the city and everyone's going to happen to work from home, let's do that because it costs less. And then if productivity goes up, win-win. So, so I think it will all be uh, kind of in the future predicated on that. For me, it will just be about whether or not in the longer term this continues or whether what we're seeing now is the peak of it mm. and then productivity will drop off, you know, uh, because it's it's all fairly, fairly nascent, really, isn't it? It's all, it's all a new thing, you know, th- this whole space that we're in now. And it may be that people get quite jaded uh, and then end, ended up not wanting to be at home, not wanting and gravitating towards places where they can go back and work somewhere outside so that may change as i say as those changes happen i think that the business will just tweak uh uh, accordingly and uh, some people will make snap judgments on that and decide okay we're never going to have an office again Uh, um, uh, and some will go the other way and say that everyone i know some of the some of the 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 city organizations have said right everyone has to come back uh sooner rather than later because they're really worried uh, about about um, some of the productivity issues. But I think it will just be, people will be flexible about that as long as the margins are okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think in, 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 in for instance, a not-for-profit sector, that's, that's been less of a problem uh, always. So, but it will be interesting to see because there isn't that financial imperative. It will be interesting to see how that pans out in the longer term in a not-for-profit sector, because you know, you know, it, it's not driven uh, by cash. And usually, people want to uh, live the values that they espouse in the wider world through their organisation. So they want to show that they're treating uh, uh, their colleagues in a sensitive way. So it, it'll be interesting. And there's been a lot more flexibility, I think, in the sector over this period. Yeah. Whether that continues or not in, in the longer term uh, remains to be seen, and that will be an interesting watch. Okay, it's
1: interesting. interesting.
2: Where are we going? Um, I think it's you're going to need more flexible more flexible leaders who can switch between what's required and when because there will be some times where i think that we are going to have to be a bit tougher and declare something has to happen i was just talking yesterday to one of my colleagues about uh, the wonderful world in which we live in now where actually it is totally acceptable to be more flexible and I remember the days way back when where it particularly in our industry and PR. Where you would it was just expected that you would work on into the evening for your client event that you still had to be in early the next day. for your, You know, there was no flexibility. There was no, it's, it's entirely fine unless your boss had said you can come in an hour later. But actually now to have that much more flexibility is wonderful. But I think that there will also be times and we are seeing it where you have to say, you're going to have to go a bit above and beyond to deliver on this thing because our, the nature of our industry is peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. And people are going to continue to have to rise to those peaks, those busy times, and deliver against them. And I think people are forgetting that there's still the output that's required. And I think when it comes down to, you know, the shame of saying that productivity piece, if the numbers aren't there, if that output's not there, we're going to have to start getting a little tougher on folks to mm-hmm. remind them that they've got responsibilities to deliver stuff because some people are not necessarily as worried about that output piece um, as perhaps they once were um i was going to say something else hugely valuable but i've entirely forgotten it so that's great good good for me for really succinctly ending that but it was going to be a great piece oh i've just remembered it um internal comms
1: yeah
2: i think if an organisation is going to have a significant portion of the workforce remote at any one given moment in time, we're going to see a huge rise in that need for some strong internal cons to keep that culture rolling, to Mm. keep the what's happening being fluid, the cons throughout the organisation. So this might actually be the moment where that really comes into its own and not in in really different and innovative and interesting ways. So I think a lot more organisations, smaller organisations that thought we've got it are going to need to start investing more there, too, to be able to really deliver and ensure that culture can withstand what's actually happening when you're not all in that office environment together. a great point. <laughs> all good
1: news for commerce professionals obviously and yes. um, well the guys thank you so much it sounds very much like hybrid flexible working is going to need to lead to hybrid flexible leadership uh, like never before and you guys will be riding that wave for some time to come so good luck and thank you both so much for joining me thank you Bye.
0: been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers support for this podcast comes from notified the integrated intelligent and easy to use pr software get a free demo today at notified.com